Hello and welcome to this final episode in the Lenten series Witnesses on the First Lutheran Podcast. My name is Jody Hoyt and I'm the Communications Director here at First Lutheran in Sioux Falls. Today, Pastor John Christofferson and Seminarian Adam Guthmiller will discuss the week's topic, The Forgiven. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Jody. Thank you for having us. Well, I'll start by reading uh, the scripture we have today. It comes from us, the ninth chapter of Matthew, uh, verses 1 uh, through 8. And after getting into a boat, he crossed the sea and came to his own town. And just then, some people were carrying a paralyzed man lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Then some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus perceiving their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Stand up, take your bed, and go to your home. And he stood up and went to his home. When the crowd saw it, they were filled with awe, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to human beings. The, the theme this week, uh, Pastor John, is, is forgiveness. It's the forgiven. Can you kind of mm-hmm. talk about or kind of begin to uh, illustrate just w- what it is the gift of forgiveness is and what yeah. we're talking about this week? Yeah, I, I think it could be said that perhaps there's no greater gift in life than... Um, Hearing the word of forgiveness, um, it's it's at once uh, a blessing, but also um, a burden, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it has the power to bring, I think, uh, wholeness, uh, healing to our hearts. Um, but as psychosomatic creatures, it can also for our bodies as well, which we're, we'll hear about here in a second. Um, and I just love this. Uh, quote from Anne Lamott in her book, um, Traveling Mercy. She says something like, um, you know, it's hard at times when we're so angry not to forgive, but not to forgive, she says, is like, um, it's it's like you're drinking rat poison <laughs> and then waiting for the rat to die. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. of course, she's referring to us, the ones who are angry and not willing to forgive, are the ones that are the rats. But um, I think that then it comes home to us in this story of the paralytic, uh, where Jesus speaks a word of forgiveness that really goes deep down um, beneath um, the the level of our skin mm-hmm. uh, or skin deep. And all the way to our souls, to the matter of where the origin of forgiveness needs to be coming down to uh, in our feelings of guilt and shame and abandonment, estrangement, and that is sin. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of an introductory thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's y- your, your description of abandonment, estrangement uh, as sin mm-hmm. uh, is, a, I think it's a good... Es- description because it actually uh, clarifies or gives some sort of illustration on uh, sin as as being a separation from God Mm -hmm. uh, that Christ has come to uh, eliminate or um, uh, come to us to eliminate that separation so we can finally um, 
be sons, sons and daughters. What's, what's striking to me, I guess the, the, first, the first thing we see uh, that Matthew makes point of, uh, when Jesus saw their faith, so he sees the faith of the, the people carrying the paralytic uh, to Christ, uh, can we kind of maybe reflect on that? Uh, mm-hmm. What what Christ, wh- why why Matthew makes the point to to say that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I know that scholars um, take up different positions with this when it says here um, that Jesus sees their faith in verse two. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Greek text. The word there is autan, which is um, there, and it's fairly ambiguous. If it's just the paralytic, excuse me, if it's just the friends of the paralytic, mm-hmm. or uh, the friends and the paralytic's faith, mm-hmm. and um, I kind of come down with Luther on this, um, where he speaks about the friends um, winning for their sick friend um, a faith that becomes his own. That is to say that um, the act of faith that is going on with these friends um, is to get him, their friend, the paralytic, as close to Jesus as they can. Mm -hmm. And um, in Mark chapter 2, we have the parallel for this, (laughs) as you know. And Mark is much more colorful uh, it's a lot of story. Yeah, <laughs> Matthew's kind of black and white, yeah. and, and, and it's technicolor in Mark. I mean, these friends are crawling up the side of this house with uh, ladders to get their friend, uh, you know, beyond all these crowds that are the obstacles of faith in this story in a way, and they tear through the roof. They literally tear the roof off and put their friend down so he can get into the presence of Jesus. Yeah. But... Um, the way Luther looks at it, if I recall correctly, is he talks about um, this, uh, this sense of they as being the friends mm-hmm. who bring their paralytic friend into the presence of Christ. And so um, as he, their friend, the paralytic, witnesses their faith, they... Um, are awakening faith in him as Christ comes to him and says, your sins are forgiven. And as I said, that awakens faith in him, Mm -hmm. uh, the paralytic. I'm using so many pronouns here, it's probably confusing. (laughs) But I guess if you track it, um, the the they here, uh, when Jesus sees their faith, it is they're the friends who bring their paralytic friend to Jesus, mm-hmm. and then through his word and the example of their faith, awakens faith in the paralytic. And I think this is a good word um, for godparents and parents yes. and grandparents, yep. um, for children to know that the witness of their faith uh, can awaken faith, create faith by their word and um, in their children or grandchildren. And we had this text just a couple weeks ago in Matthew chapter 5 where we hear this language of let your light so shine Mm -hmm. before others that your good works, your um, faith faith. might give glory to our Father who is in heaven. And that's what we pray for, um, 
the sponsors, uh, for example, uh, that part of our liturgy at the close, that they will continue to let Christ's light shine through them for others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just while you're talking, I, I yeah. kind of got some uh, some sense or this this almost re- right or wrong. This this almost reminded me just of, of baptism in general. Mm-hmm. How you're, especially within the Lutheran Church, where we will baptize whoever, uh, anyone, uh, as long as they haven't been baptized before. So we'll baptize infants, and infants just like the paralytic. Uh, don't have much to say, but you're bringing them mm-hmm. to uh, to the person, to Christ, who actually has a word still yet to say to them. It kind of just reminds me of that. I think there's a big word written all, all over this text, and it is grace or gratis. Mm-hmm. Because kind of tying back into your earlier question, when you look at the text, there's nothing there that indicates that the paralytic has done anything before. Uh, being brought to Jesus mm-hmm. in terms of any kind of repentance, mm-hmm. or there's nothing that he's done to earn um, this word of forgiveness and healing, that it is surely by God's grace through this word that Jesus proclaims. Mm-hmm. And that is why in the Lutheran tradition we give such great emphasis to the prevenience of God's grace, um, and it's so well, you know, symbolized mm-hmm. in in baptizing children because they're so dependent upon their parents yep uh, just the way we are dependent upon God and um, it just comes to us as as uh, sheer grace yeah there's the, the the other side to that same statement then too where um, he hasn't it's clear the the paralytic just as an infant doesn't earn this grace but the the more offensive part of this text and Mark Mark 2 seems a little bit to hit this a little bit harder but that this paralytic would actually need this forgiveness in general that mm-hmm. Christ is saying this to someone who by all accounts we don't know if they were able to um, sin in the, the way that we usually think and mm-hmm. yet he still uh, forgives them forgives mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. Um. I don't know if we want to move move forward to um, Christ's first words. He says, uh, "Take heart, son; your sins are forgiven." Uh, and w- the, the, the discussion question I said this says, "Reflect on each part of the, the Jesus's response." I don't know if we have any reflections for for uh, Christ's response. Um. Well, I, I think you know. First of all. Matthew wants us to focus on the subject in that verse, mm-hmm. uh, Adam. I think it's overall he wants us to focus on on the one who's speaking the word, and that is Jesus. And that is to say what Jesus does um, is more more to be focused on than what the believers do, yep. or even on the healing itself. I, and I know with Pastor Catherine's uh, questions— she asks about this matter of what does it mean when uh, Jesus says there, take heart or take courage. Mm-hmm. I think that speaks about the risk that's always there in faith, um, as they're literally, in Mark's account anyway, uh, trashing yeah. <laughs> uh, this house uh, and, and coming into to, to Jesus' presence. But also there, this language of my son um, is just 
absolutely endearing. And um, I don't know. This is a weird thought that's going through my head right now. But um, to, to say take courage and for Jesus to use this language of claiming this paralytic as a child of God, it's sort of like the anesthesia before the surgery goes out, <laughs> sure. where then he goes deep and he says, your sins are forgiven. Yeah. And, um, you know, he reaches, as I said before, deep down into this person's life with this word of forgiveness. And you you think, well, that's kind of weird. Wouldn't, wouldn't he just, you know, simply forgive him? Yeah. And so I think Jesus is going back into Israel's faith life and how sickness and forgiveness are often interconnected. Like I can think of like Psalm 103 at the beginning. I think it's in verse 3 that talks about um, uh, the Lord has forgiven my life and brought healing to my very being. Mm -hmm. And it's to be reminded that we are psychosomatic creatures, psyche, from the Greek word of, of the spirit, mm-hmm. um, suke or soma, uh, of the body. Yep. And so Jesus is bringing this holistic healing here, this surgical word that goes deep down in this, this person's life. And um, so I think, I think that's important to remember. I think um, as, as human beings, but especially those in the 21st century, um, we are most apt to just focus on the healing part of this story, but we really want to make sure that in any of Jesus' healing stories, we focus on the one from whom the healing's coming. And that's, that's where the, the tension comes in this text now yeah. with the, you know, the, the scribes and the elders taking offense at this. Well, and, and Christ, act, I mean, he says this in his own way where he, he says, it almost is like, I'll heal him so that you know I have the power to, to mm-hmm. forgive sins, that the healing, uh, a miracle in, of, in and of itself mm-hmm. uh, is extraordinary, but it's so to, so to give authority that he actually does have this power because uh, exactly what you're saying, uh, the scribes right after, they can't believe what, what Christ just said. Right. Uh, right. This man is blaspheming. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't believe that uh, this this man would do something that only God himself would do, forgive sins. Right, right. And that, again, you know, is taking them back into their, their own tradition um, where, you know, um, in Isaiah 43, uh, God says, I am he who blots out your transgressions. Yeah. And so if you, Jesus, are saying your sins are forgiven, <laughs> then you're identifying yourself as God. Yeah. And as you know well, Adam, the you know, the credo, at the heart of the Old Testament for the Israelites is from Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, mm-hmm. and there's only one who can forgive sin. So by implication here, Jesus, who in the world do you think you are? Yeah. God? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they they really see this as, as blasphemy. But as I was looking at this this morning, um, it's interesting that the the verb there to forgive that Jesus uses is in the passive tense. Mm-hmm. So that is to say, Jesus is giving credit to God here. Jesus does not say, I forgive you, but mm-hmm. you are forgiven. Mm-hmm. And uh, seeing himself as a vessel for God um, through which um, God's grace and God's healing is brought into this person's life. As, as Christ in the early church 
passes the torch on to us with the power of the keys to say, you are given the power to to forgive sin, which blows people's minds. I remember when I was um, it a blows my mind pastor. a little bit. Yeah, 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 it should. I mean, it's it it should because you're it's a it it's a word that's always new, mm-hmm. and we're 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 saying exactly what Christ is saying that this word spoken by um, pastors, but also spoken by people who are right um, the the priesthood of all believers right actually has the power to forgive sins on account of Christ. And Luther says this in a, a a beautiful way that I I think you should always hold on to that when these words are speaking it's it's actually it's Christ himself who is speaking mm-hmm. that this person is is speaking in persona Christos mm-hmm. and the person of Christ uh these same words your sins son daughter your sins are forgiven and it I mean it's it's crazy today just as it was then <laughs> yeah i remember a student coming up after a worship service when i was a uh, campus pastor at Montana State and basically said, who are you to me (laughs) to proclaim the forgiveness of sin in the liturgy at the beginning? And I said, well, if you listen really closely, it says, as a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ, Mm -hmm. I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of sin, so that we always are pointing beyond ourselves to Christ, as Christ points beyond himself often to the Father. And um, I and the Father are one, says Jesus, but he also wants to make clear that we can um, be his voice in the world for the neighbor who need to hear this freeing word of forgiveness when we're just so dragged down. Um, I think it was two weeks ago with our second graders or third graders with their milestone about confession and forgiveness. And I asked the kids, I said, um, they led us in confession and forgiveness, these oh, wow. second graders, and as the priesthood of all believers, as yeah, you're saying. Yeah. And I said, guys, I said, think about in your garage, there, there's this big plastic canister, you know, where you put all this stuff that if you don't do it every week, it begins to really stink up a storm. Yeah. It gets really heavy after week two, three, four, if you forget to take it out, and it just <laughs> starts to belch the stuff all over the place. And you roll it down to the end of the driveway, and it needs to be taken away each week. And I said, what is that stuff? And they said, it's garbage. Yeah. I said, exactly, and that's what sin is. And I think that's why it's so important at the very get-go of worship um, that we hear this word as we come with our confession Mm -hmm. uh, to say that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves that we then hear this forgiving word that says um you know in the name of christ your sins are forgiven yeah Uh, go now in peace at the end of the service and serve the lord and and share this word yeah being a god who forgives calls us to be about forgiving yes and uh, there's a nice play on that yeah Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is, uh, it's, it's not, Lutheranism doesn't have a, uh, we don't have a, a, like this is, this is what the church has been, uh, ordained to do and what, uh, we've been called to do. Uh, it is very comforting when I, when I hear personally, when I, uh, when you're in a church and you actually have that at the very start, that's how you start your worship and, uh, the confession and absolution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of moving a little bit back into the text, sure. Uh, 
I like the the garbage story. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, we'll, we'll, we'll hold on to this garbage exactly. spot in this recording. Yeah. Uh, the scribes, this man is blaspheming. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then Jesus perceives this in their own thoughts. Uh, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven, or to say stand up and walk? You talked a little bit, or you've you've mentioned this word or this idea a couple times, Pastor John, but the psychosomatic, mm-hmm. uh, holistic kind of healing. And can you kind of talk a little bit what that means uh, and I guess how that relates to forgiveness and, and Christ's work? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, for the Hebrew people... Um, as a human being, uh, body, mind, and spirit are all interwoven together in a unity. Mm-hmm. And what happened with the Greeks and the Platonic and later Neoplatonic philosophers did is they began to create this dualism mm-hmm. between the spirit and the material or the body, that the spirit is good and the material or the body is evil or bad, and so they would go into these ascetic exercises and such about uh, ways in which they could uh, beat down the, the physical so that they could lift up the spiritual, and and then it came to be that God would, you know, never want to involve God's self in all the material ugliness of the world, but, you know, in the incarnation, Jesus comes into the midst of this, identifying with us, and the Word became flesh yep. and and dwelt among us and um, I think the sense of understanding uh, the human being as uh, psychosomatic is really important in our dualistic um, uh, culture yep. today as as well and um, so of course it's an easier thing to say um, uh, your sins are forgiven because uh, no visible proof is needed. I mean, it's sort of like anybody can say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's harder to say a healing word because truth um, or falsehood um, can be instantly verified. Mm-hmm. But Jesus keeps the issue focused where he wants it, and it's on this blasphemous claim, uh, on this authority that he speaks, um, where he says, your sins are forgiven. And... Um, so he's going deep, deep down here, mm-hmm. and he's speaking of this authority. And um, I think this is an important word here, too, in this text. Um, it's the last noun that is given for Jesus' dignity in chapter 28, where he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, the last impression that's living, left with his hearers on... Um, his Sermon on the Mount with, um, they're saying, oh, he, he teaches with one of authority more so than our scribes. Mm-hmm. And um, Matthew thinks again that this this word best unifies. Here's this wholeness again, um, that Jesus has authority everywhere on heaven, in heaven, and on earth. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't know if I responded exactly <laughs> to your question no, there. No, that's but fine. Yeah. No, I'm... I'm uh... I appreciate the—it's good to talk about the, the, the Platonic and Neoplatonic idea of mm-hmm. the 
the spirit having to escape the body uh, and that being a, a goal that one tries to do in life. And people don't talk about it in that way maybe anymore, but it mm-hmm. is definitely an idea that still is around that you actually have to escape it. And you're, you're exactly right that uh, the word dwelt among us, that God has actually come in the body, mm-hmm. uh, not trying to escape it, but actually to free it from what really binds it, uh, sin, death, and the devil. Yeah, I had a little girl in Chicago uh, in confirmation who said, God wouldn't be caught dead in a world like ours. <laughs> and, you know, that, that really gets to the heart of it because mm-hmm. God did come to us. This is the theology of the cross mm-hmm. in the person of Jesus and came to die and be raised so that we might be raised. And there's kind of a harbinger here, too, with uh, the language of being raised up, rise and go. Yeah. You know, it's a prefiguring of Jesus' own yeah. death and resurrection here. And I've got a great story for you about the psychosomatic that, again, is off the top of my head, Jody. Um, <laughs> go. When I was yeah. in fifth grade, I had a friend, Wayne Miller, when I was living in Montevideo, and we used to play marbles all throughout the year out on the Tarvia. And I had this steely boulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, he had this beautiful puri boulder. And it was glass, of course. And so when I went to strike his marble with my mine, yeah. uh, the steel one, it just shattered his. And I just, <laughs> I just really felt so bad. I just, and... Um, because it was so gorgeous. And anyway, about a week later, um, my friend Wayne had a appendicitis, mm-hmm. and he had to have his appendix out. And so I remember seeing him like two weeks later at school walking around, kind of holding his side, you know, yeah. back in the day when you had like a 20-foot <laughs> incision to take an appendix out. They didn't have laparoscopies back then. And all of a sudden, I started getting these terrible side aches on my left side and I said oh boy I'm getting an appendicitis and I'd be holding like my stomach area because it was out of guilt I think yeah and I just felt bad for Wayne and and um and so just to humor me my dad took me to our family doc and he goes first of all John you don't have an appendicitis uh because you're on the wrong side there on the left side (laughs) and he said Um, I think you're going to be fine. It was kind of like a word of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And um, that, you know, I I just remember almost immediately the day after, I I no longer had those chronic everyday gut aches or side aches. Yeah. And so um, I think, you know, the body and the mind are interrelated in ways that are just truly amazing and and we have an amazing savior who knows that and identifies with that uh in his becoming flesh and dwelling among us and and so he speaks a word of forgiveness that goes all the way deep down um to to um to wipe away sin Mm -hmm. and oftentimes in our life um those manifestations of that with migraines or thinking we have appendicitis mm-hmm. um, are also healed. Yeah. You talked a little bit about um, cr- the, the Christ focusing not necessarily on the on the healing, mm-hmm. uh, but on the authority and specifically the authority to forgive sins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the, the thing that I always think about with that is that uh, there's, it's a different kind of authority uh, to forgive sins uh, than it is by the law. 
because it's an authority uh, that's purely a, a gospel authority mm-hmm. uh, that's based on can God actually uh, it's to forgive sins, but it's also to to resurrect and raise up to to can God actually do what He says uh, He will do, mm-hmm. and your your little stand up, take your bed, uh, and go to your home. Uh, it it reminds I mean it, it almost reminds me sometimes of of a uh, church services and how you actually are forgiving sins uh, yeah. and then sending people back out into the world mm-hmm. uh, to do what they uh, can for their neighbor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that coming home sense. Um, I think the forgiveness of sins is a coming home, uh, to use the language of our text here, uh, not only to a wholeness of health, but to the one who is our, who is our creator and redeemer, um, that is God in Christ. And, um, you know, if we look at that, that last part of this passage, the people, it says, praise God. Mm-hmm. So here again, Jesus is not only identifying himself with God, but pointing beyond himself. And when I read that again this morning, I thought to myself, wow, this is like the great I am's in John's gospel. Yeah. I am the life. I am the light of the world. I am the branch. Um, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. And it, it comes together with God the Father in in Exodus with, with the great I am who I am mm-hmm. there. And so we have here um, a Christological statement that speaks about Christ's authority that comes from heaven, but it is joined to earth in this healing um, of the paralytic. Yeah, it's really powerful. Also, I guess another thing, you know, and I, you know, I love words. Um, um, this is one of the things I like about you, salvation. Pastor John, because I love, I love your, uh, uh, your not not intensely. I'm trying to think. I I love your pat your passion uh, for for words and mm. for just uh, the artistry of it. So I'm sorry for interrupting. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing the thing is with with salvation. Um, people usually think of like pie in the sky or something, yeah, you know. But the root word for salvation in the Latin is salvus, and that struck me again with this text too, because salvus means healing. Mm-hmm. So salvation is about healing, and what Jesus makes so clear here, it's a healing of our whole being, mm-hmm. body, mind, and spirit, and uh, how we are, you know, freed up once all this this garbage is taken off of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess, uh, Pastor John, do you, do we have any closing thoughts or any uh, anything to kind of leave us with uh, until we hear this text on Sunday? Mm-hmm. Um, I have to go way back for a closing story here that speaks about the power of forgiveness, um, and it comes together with a story I heard years ago from one of my beloved mentors, who's now among the great cloud of witnesses cheering us on, Dr. Mark Jerstead, who was my campus pastor at Augie years ago and later with uh, Good Sam Society. And um, when I was doing my CPE uh, at Fairview St. Mary's in the Twin Cities, um, there was a gentleman um, who I was visiting every day who probably should have died long before I ever met him. And all he did was he laid in bed and he, he was so racked with pain and suffering. It was sort of like there's this civil war mm-hmm. going on inside him. And um, 
this old man who's probably in his mid-90s. And one night I saw something really, really striking, that at the end of the hall there was this uh, nurse, um, kind of this matriarch among the nursing staff. And there was this young man, younger man, I think he was in his 70s, uh, <laughs> Freudian slip about my age. <laughs> and uh, and uh, she was kind of talking to him at the end of the hall. And I knew that there'd been this tension between the son, mm-hmm. uh, the old son and the old dad, and they hadn't spoken for years. And uh, here's the son, and the nurse is encouraging him, you could tell, to go in. Mm-hmm. And he goes into the room, and uh, not that I'm nosy, I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. So I go down to the end of the hall, and I kind of peek around and see what's going on. And uh, the old son is taking off his sport coat and taking off his shoes and sitting on this chair, unlacing his shoes. And then he gets up on the bed with his old dad, and um, I can hear him whispering, to his dad, he goes, Dad, I really, I really love you. And he said, um, I forgive you. And old dad said to old son, I love you too, son, and I forgive you too. And uh, I watched old dad um, embrace old son, and he passed away just maybe a few few minutes later Mm -hmm. and so with that forgiveness of sin it was he was free to let go of all the anger and all the pain that was in his life Mm -hmm. so i just share that as a story of the the power that forgiveness can can work in our lives and especially when it's done in in jesus name just not as one human being to another but to say it in christ's name because that's where the ultimate Uh, source of life and forgiveness Mm -hmm. comes from. Mm -hmm. We hope you enjoyed all of the episodes on this series, and we look forward to chatting with you again soon. Until then, peace to you from First Lutheran Church in Sioux Falls.